Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Well, again, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you would turn to 1 John chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 as we finish up our sermon series, Walking in Light, Living Testimony. We've we looked uh, a couple weeks ago uh, at walking in light, the purification process, and what the cross of Christ has done for us and, and through us, which paves the way for us to be declared children of God, and that was the second part of our sermon series, Walking in Light, which makes us, if you remember, children of assurance, children with aspiration, and children with authority and ability. Uh, ability to live with the character of Christ and to love one another as we walk in light. Well, today... We wrap this all up by discovering what John teaches concerning the living testimony. The living testimony of those who choose to walk in light. There are two distinctions that make any story a true testimony. First, a story becomes testimony when it offers something. Think about a witness in a courtroom. What makes their story more than just a simple story is the fact that it becomes an offering for the prosecution, if you will, to prove or to establish some particular cause or effect. The second distinction that separates testimony with any old story is the gravity that truth that is being declared. It's the significance of truth being declared that provides clarity of any particular testimony. For instance, I could tell you today, give testimony that I was born with a hole in my heart, as I've shared before, and that would be true. I could go on to testify that I had open heart surgery to repair my heart and that would also be true. I, I could continue to testify that once they patched my heart up, I, I was a, a new man. You could say I, my heart was whole and, and made complete, repaired, fixed. And in a matter of fact, it would be true. But if I was giving testimony about matters of the heart, that testimony would be incomplete. It would just be another cool story. The reason is because long before I ever had that open heart surgery or even contemplated it, my heart was fulfilled or filled with the Holy Spirit 
as Christ came into my life and changed my heart and filled my heart, metaphorically, with His presence. We each have stories that we share or could share of various experiences we've had with God and, and God's presence in our lives or how God has blessed us or provided for us or, or what He has done for us. But it's the living testimony of the life that we must grasp in order to be able to turn the story of Jesus Christ into an offering for those that are not walking in light. You see, that's the key. We've spoken a lot about walking in light and how what that and what that does for us and what that does and how that translates in how we look at ourselves. But there's another component to walking in light. It's more than just about us. It's more than just about making sure that our life is is lining up with the Holy Spirit or with the character of Christ. Walking in light serves to reveal to others, serves to become that living testimony to others that, that something has happened to us, that something has changed in our hearts or in our lives. And so uh, when we claim to be walking with the light or in the light, others see that. They see that something is different. They see the love. They see the compassion. They see the grace and mercy. They, they see the, the abundance that, that we have. They see the outlook that we hope to have. We, they see something and, and they want to gravitate. They want to know what that is. They want to know what that light is. Look, let me tell you, the days of people coming to church because that's the thing to do have long passed. This society and this culture is not a God culture. It's not a culture where people just, like I said, go to church because that's the only thing to do on Sundays. Now everything's open. Everything's, uh, kids are playing sports. All thing, kinds of things are going on that have, are competing with our focus and our time. People are only going to draw near to God, to draw near to Christ because of what they see and how they see that something is different in our lives. You know, we could debate until the cows come home whether or not it's better to have a culture the way it was where people just went to church because it was the thing to do or the way it is now where people come to church because and only because something is dramatically different, they see something. And that's the one thing I would say that maybe is a, a positive in this whole equation. And that is that when people do elect to give their focus to God or to church or to a community or to a fellowship, you can usually assume that it's because they want something more. It's because they've seen something different. And so if that's going to happen, something's got to be presented. Something's got to be offered. And that's where this living testimony comes into focus. This passage teaches us what we need in order to do just that. 
First, by teaching about the testimony of our birthmarks. Then, the teaching of the testimony of the story. And finally, the testimony of the decision. We look first at this testimony of our birthmarks, of our birthrights, or what we belong, or who we belong to. Look, if you will, again, at 1 John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out His commands. This is the love of God, to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it? That overcomes the world. Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How many of you have a birthmark? Raise your hand. Uh, I'd say it's about 50% of the room that has a birthmark. I do not have a birthmark. My brother has a birthmark on his arm. Big one. And I remember growing up, especially when we were little, people would ask him questions. I'm sure he got picked on. I'm not sure I didn't pick on him because I was a good brother. <laughs> but he, especially when he was really little, I think was self-confident or self-conscious about it. He, I don't think he liked it. And so my parents started to give him this message that that spot on his arm was where God had touched his life or it was how God made him special. I'm sure we've all had that message taught to us in some sort of way. And usually it's the imperfections that we have to try to lift our confidence. I I used to think of of my my heart condition or the hole in my heart as as kind of what made me unique, what made me stand out and maybe was somewhat what God had kind of touched me or how he had touched me, even though that seems a little bit contrary since it was uh, health situation. But it is those experiences that we have in our lives that are unique, that often is where we find ourselves growing deeper with the Lord. You know, in a sense, God does touch us all. I mean, it, it was in Psalm 139.13 that says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. I always, again, looked at my heart situation. I think we all have some birthmark, if you will, even if we don't have some spot on our skin or, or our body. But it was something that makes us stand out or serves to remind us that we were created and that we are not self-made. And that's what birthmarks do. They serve to remind us who we are or what we belong to or that we were created, that we have a purpose or plan. And so we look this morning, first of all, in verses 1 through 5, at how God has placed in our lives and in our hearts certain birthmarks, certain birthrights, certain 
moments or instances or examples of how He has touched us and, and how we belong to Him and, and who we are made from and who of and the purpose and plan that we have been given. John begins in chapter 5 by affirming that everyone who holds to the true confession of faith about Jesus Christ, who, who believes, has been born of God. In other, words, in other words, those who confess Jesus Christ belong to Jesus Christ. It's that simple. But we have certain marks also that identify us as newly born in Christ, if you will. Faith is the sign of new birth along with loving others. After all, by being a part of God's family, if you will, means we have other brothers and sisters. And so by extension, we love one another. And John includes that in verses 1 and 2 and the following. But more than that, since we belong to God's family, verse 2 points out the basic birthmarks of our faith in Christ are loving God and carrying out His commands. It's that simple. But they go hand in hand as well. Jesus clarified it best in Matthew 22, 37-39, answering as the disciples questioned what the greatest commandment was. He said, To love your Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, He said. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a reason that before we can ever do the will of God and follow His commands, we must first and above all love. If ever there was a birthmark that that we as Christians have, it's love. It was love that sent Jesus to the cross. Remember in John chapter 15, as he prepared that, that night after the Last Supper, he spoke to them about love and he told them about the, the greatest love that, that to give, lay down his life for his friends. It's the most important testimony that we will ever give. And it's what will allow others to gravitate and allow others to be compelled to draw in to the community of faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 says this, If I speak in tongues of, of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, in other words, if I can have all the intellect in the world, but I have not, and I and have faith. I can move mountains. He says, if I can move the mountains, make the mountains go into the sea, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul gets it. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It's all throughout the New Testament. It's all throughout the Gospel. 
If we profess to be Christians but do not have love in our hearts, something is not adding up. It's only from a place of love that we can ever truly become the body of Christ. Once we realize the birthmark of love, then we can get to doing His will or following His commands. Sometimes I think, we've got doers. Uh, we've got people who are just have to be busy, just have to be full of, of something on their plate. They can't sit still, they can't sit idle. And oftentimes it's, it's those that, that sometimes maybe get out a little bit ahead of, of of the will of God. Because they're, they're good intentioned. They, they have a good heart. They want to do good or they want to do something. And so they get so busy and so focused on doing, but forget that relationships are at the focal point or at the center of why we do anything. Once we get to that point, then we can start to discover where and how God wants us to serve. I always get a little uneasy when I hear someone teaching or preaching a hellfire and brimstone message. It's not because I don't believe that there are certain standards or values that we should live according to, but it's because that type of messaging tends to lead to obedience out of fear or obligation. It becomes the very definition of burdensome, which verse 3 says that we should stay away from. So we do not follow Christ. We do not follow the commands that the Scripture teaches us because, oh, we just got to do another thing for God. No, no, it's rather because we can't wait to do something for for the Lord, it's, it's because we can't wait to extend this love that He has revealed to us and that He is pouring through us. The peace of living testimony that includes obeying His commands comes as a byproduct of the love that we have. For God, not fear, not out of obligation. After all, we have enough hurdles as it is to doing the will of God. Verses 4 and 5 reminds us that the world, that society, that culture is going to throw all it can at us to defeat us. I think sometimes we act like because the world doesn't follow God, the world again. The world's just coming to an end, and all all hell is breaking loose. Sometimes that's the way we we tend to respond. I think as Christians or as as those that have grown up in in the Word or grown up in the church. But 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 here the Word clearly tells us that way two thousand years ago that the world is going to throw everything it can at the will of God. It's just as simple as human nature. The effect of loving God and His children 
and doing the will of God is how we overcome what the world has to throw. These birthmarks to love and to do His will, they display to the world who we belong to. They, they're the actions that speak loudly for us. But it, it is here that the text transitions to the testimony of the story. So we know that our actions, our, our love, the things we do for others, the things we do for one another... Those are the things that are going to show the actions that are going to be displayed to the community, to the world around us. But what do we tell people when they come? What story are we going to share? What testimony of story are we going to give? Are we going to offer? Look, if you will, at 1 John chapter 5 as we continue in the Scripture, verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which He has given about His Son. Others are going to get drawn in if we display love to the community, to love to one another, if we do His will. So what do we tell them? Do we tell them our story? Do we fill their, their minds and their hearts with all kinds of stories of what has happened to us? Or do we start to learn to focus on God's story? On His story, if you follow. We each have a unique testimony that tells of an experience or experiences we have had with God. They can be magnificent. They can grasp the one that's listening with intrigue or curiosity. I could focus on, again, that, that instance in where I was getting wheeled into the uh, operating room, looking at my parents, knowing that my heart is about to be shut down for a while as they put a patch on a hole and then start my heart back up. Pretty wild thought to think of. I could share that story. That, that could be... A gripping and, and intriguing story for a lot of people. But I guarantee you it won't change anyone's life. That's why in verse 9 it says that we accept man's testimony. In other words, I'll listen to your story about your heart surgery, Brad. And I'll accept it as truth. But... God's testimony, verse 9 says, is greater. Why is it greater? Because it's the testimony of God which He has given about His Son. It's about Jesus Christ. So when people come to us, when people are drawn in because of the love, because of the actions, because of the things they see, because they see something that's different in our hearts and in our lives, the story that we need to learn to profess or confess or to tell or to teach is the story of Christ. 
It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of, of a Savior. It's the story of a God that loves us enough to send His Son so that we can have a relationship with Him. So that, so that we will have someone who knows what we're going through, who loved us enough to lay down His life, to take our place, to forgive us from our sins, and to give us everlasting life. That's the story that's going to change someone's heart or change someone's life. People often say that the biggest struggle they have when it comes to evangelism or sharing Christ is they don't know what to say. They don't know how to present the gospel. They don't know what to do. They don't know that their story is compelling enough. You know, there are plenty of people who, Sarah often says, grew up in the church. She didn't have a real chaos in her life. She didn't have, everything was pretty normal. And she grew up in a Christian home and went off to school. She didn't have a big rebellious stage. I guess, you know, dating me probably was about the most rebellious thing she did. That was after the, you know, anyway. But you get the picture. You know, she might would say, I've heard her say years ago, I don't feel like I have a powerful testimony. And that's where we then miss the picture. We miss the message that the Word's teaching is right here because it's not about our story. It's not about how we can grip somebody or how we can draw someone in. It's about whether or not, when that person stands before us, are we going to tell them about Jesus Christ and about what He has done for us and what He can do for them. That's what we've got to get down. And, and look, we've got plenty of, plenty of words, plenty of stories to tell people about Jesus. The text sets up three testifiers, if you will. The water, the blood, and the Spirit. The water, which is baptism, teaches us about obedience and repentance. In fact, that's what Jesus did as he, went to the, as he, as he himself was baptized. He was obedient. And verse 6 points out, though, he was not baptized with just water because that would mean he was just another prophet, that he was just like John the Baptist, if you will. More than that, he testified through the blood, which gives us the message of the death and life and sacrifice of Jesus. It teaches us of God's great love, His grace and mercy. And then there's the Spirit. So we want to teach somebody about Jesus Christ. We start with obedience and repentance. We then move from water. We then move to blood. We teach them about death, life, and sacrifice. We teach them about God's grace, His love, and His mercy. And we do all that because the victory and the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who helps us with that, gives us the words, if you will. It teaches us of God's conquering of the grave, His victory over sin and death, and the assistance that He gives us, the great comforter, the great counselor. When we testify to those who may not be walking in light, 
every one of our stories should make their way back to the, his story. You know, we can use some of the things that, that we've experienced in our lives. We can use some of those stories like my, like again, like my, my situation. I could use my story of my open heart surgery to maybe initiate a conversation about certain uh, things of, that involve uh, the Lord or, or Jesus. But it should always find its way back to the story of Jesus Christ. If it's not, then the story is about us. And it becomes too much about our story and less about His story. When we testify to those who may not be walking in light, we start to understand the importance of a living testimony. As verse 10 says, anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. As we approach the end of our text this morning, John reminds us that there is a decision to be made. So we see the testimony of the decision. Verses 10 through 12 as we close out our text. Let's let's look at them. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He Who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. On July 8, 2010, ESPN had a special entitled The Decision. It served to allow LeBron James to declare to the world where he was going to go play basketball. He elected to go to Miami and ended up winning two, na- two championships, and now he's gone back to Cleveland. And no matter what you think about basketball or what you think about him, there's no denying that that event had a big impact, especially on the cities that were involved, especially on Cleveland. I, after the, the big decision, after the big special, there were pictures of people in the street burning his jersey burning effigies, and now they're welcoming them back. Now they can't wait. They're hoping they'll bring them a a championship. Miami was throwing parties and celebrations. They were throwing parades and big old whatever for one player. But it was affecting their lives. You know, what what I think even LeBron James eventually said that he learned about that whole situation is that yes, decisions have consequences, but often it's how we make those decisions that we're ultimately judged. Often our decisions have consequences more than just on us. They have consequences for those that are around us. What will we do when God calls us to action? Will we decide? The first decision we have to make is what will we do in response to the call to believe, to walk in the light. The text is very clear. It says those who decide to accept the message of Jesus Christ, to, 
those who, who believe, who believe in the, have the testimony in his heart, the scripture says, they have life. They have eternal life. More than just great days, they have eternal life, eternal security. The decision to accept John's teaching and to walk in the light, experiencing purification, to be reborn as children of God and to become a living testimony is not just academic or philosophic. God's testimony is about extending everlasting life. It's something that we can count on. It is something that is more than an afterthought. It is the most important decision any of us will ever make or any individual in this community and Mint Hill and Matthews and Charlotte and North Carolina will ever make. But this life is given only when we choose His Son, Jesus Christ, and accept the testimony of His life, His death, and His resurrection. We accept the Son, accept eternal life, we reject the Son, we reject eternal life. It's that simple. Yet it's that complex. If, if that part is settled, if, if we've got that part down, if we know we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we can tell you the day, we can tell you that for sure we know we have the Holy Spirit living through us and in us. Then we have another big decision which is where too often we as Christians struggle. Will we become the living testimony in the lives, in our lives, and in the lives of those that God puts in our path? Will we be that example? Will we decide to share something, to give an offering, if you will, of what God has done for us and what God can do for that individual. I've already pointed out that decisions have consequences. But indecision has just as many consequences. And at this, this point I would ask for your prayers for patience. Because every Friday night Sarah and I plan to go out for dinner. And every Friday night I say, hey Sarah, where do you want to go eat? And that's where I need prayer for patience. Because she can never decide. And usually I'll give her choices. I'll give her three choices, two or three choices. I'll say, we, we, how about here, here, here? No, no, and no. Where do you want to go? I don't care. Well, what about here? And it's just, it's, I feel like I'm in a Twilight Zone episode. Indecision has just as many consequences. Look, folks, we, we've been given the Holy Spirit, the tools. We've been given everything we need to become the living testimony to those that God puts in our path. The question that becomes, with that great truth about salvation and eternal life, do we make the decision, do we make the conscious choice to make an offering to that individual or do we choose because maybe we feel like we don't have the tools or we don't know what to say or, or we're scared or 
for whatever reason, we're busy. That's often the case. We're just too busy. God puts people in our lives that He wants us to influence, but we're just too busy. So we become crippled with timidness or indecision. To those that God puts in our path, reveal your birthmarks. Reveal that there is something that, that has changed your heart. Share His story and worry less about your story. Make the decision to use every opportunity to share your belief. Everything leads right back to where we started. Are we walking in light? Because if we're not walking in light, none of the last three sermons in in this sermon series becomes possible. It's a waste. That's where we've got to start, and that's where we've got to make sure we always remain. Remember, it was 1 John chapter 1 that taught us that sometimes we get a little outside of that light and we like it because in darkness is where we're most comfortable. It's where we once became comfortable. And so because of our human nature, we struggle with this dichotomy of light and dark everlasting life and separation from God. What are we going to choose? What decision will we make? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we close out our sermon series this morning, Walking in Light, I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would get in touch with the living testimony that is to be expressed and shared through our lives. There's no mistaking that there are individuals right now in our lives that you have put there for a reason. That you have put there so that we can influence, so that we can reveal to them or show them or display to them Sometimes by just existing, just by our actions, just by our, birth, our birthmarks, our birthrights, our, our love and compassion, our, our, our desire to follow your will, to be pure, to be in line with your spirit. Sometimes that, that's all it takes. And then there's sometimes we're called to, to step it up a little bit and to share a story, to share how Christ has changed our hearts and our lives. Help us, Lord, to see the opportunities to share that story. Help us, Lord, to understand what it is we need to share. Help us, Lord, to let the story become less about us and more about you. And finally, Lord, may we make the decision to live for you, to confess Jesus Christ to a darkened world, to the lives of those you have put in our path. And now, Lord, we will pray 
that for the people that are in our lives, that we have a heart for, that we have a compassion for, that we want to see come to know Jesus Christ. We pray right now that you would enter their heart, that you would change them, that you would reveal to them that same love and everlasting life we we know. Would you help the message of the gospel to take root in that person's life? For we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.